You are Locked On ACC, your daily podcast on the Atlantic Coast Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Monday's edition of Locked on ACC with my co-host here, Kenton Gibbs from Locked on Wolfpack. We are bringing you another edition of some great goodness here. Got a lot to talk about. It's the Atlantic Division week, and I just am pretty pumped about talking about some of the teams, seeing how the other half lives. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. Kenton, how was your weekend? It was great. It was great. You know, one of the best things ever as an adult is getting to say, what'd you do this weekend? Nothing. Yeah? And I did absolutely nothing. I just chilled out. You more of the chill vibe type? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm definitely a homebody. I I stay home when I can. Uh, If I'm not doing community service or or going to see my frat brothers, chances are I'm in the house. There's still a pandemic going on. There's nothing wrong with that. I totally understand. Make sure you guys are being safe out there. But there is some good things happening with the ACC. And this week, we're taking a look at the Atlantic Division. So last week, if you listened, we got an opportunity for each host to get a new school, talk about them, what they like about them, and all that good stuff. And then next week, we got some rankings. So we'll discuss those as we go through. But today's episode is talking about Florida State and Louisville. So first segment is going to be all about Florida State. Then we're going to talk Louisville. Then we got a little surprise at the end. So I'm looking forward to that. Now, first up, let's talk about these Knowles. Coach Norvell has definitely had a tall task to say the least as he's headed into this 2021 season have you liked what he's done so far because I have mixed reviews I'm let me let me start by saying I was team Taggart I thought that he was going to come in to make a big difference I thought it was really important to have a black coach at such a dominant program historic program and I felt a way about his departure so I was given a lot of angst towards coach coach Norvell but I think he's done a decent job with what he's had in front of him. A lot of player situations, a lot of transfers, a lot of guys from COVID opting out, a lot of different things going on for the season. So how would you evaluate Coach Nobert? Let's start there. So far, he has been mediocre at best, a, a terrible showing at worst. And I know that that's hard to say out of year one, but a large part of the problem for Florida State last year was he lost the locker room before the season even started. The whole lying to the players about COVID situation was just not a good way to go about it. These are not professionals with a union. These are young men, some of them kids, let's be honest with ourselves, who are coming in and their parents are trusting you to do the right thing by them. Norvell didn't in that regard. They followed up by being very diligent about COVID-19 the rest of the season. However, he just started off in such a bad way. Wait, can you expound on the story about COVID and him not uh, explaining it better? What, well, was there, was, there was something basically along the lines of him either A, downplaying the virus or B, telling players that they were safe and he was taking precautions that he was not. And obviously, players test positive. Exactly, and obviously, players aren't dummies. Players are not dummies. You can't tell players, "Oh, I'm going to lock you down. You can't go anywhere. You can't do anything." But me, I'm a hang free, hang loose. Or you can't tell players, "Well, hey, the virus isn't that serious." And meanwhile, bodies are popping up. Like you can't do that. These these young men and young women, or just for football here, young men, they're not dumb. 
they're not they may not be the most learned they may not be a bunch of guys who are going off to become engineers accountants bankers all that good stuff but these are still people who understand uh what's going on in the world and, and with that being the case there was obviously there was a little bit of contention there but to me i think the most uh damning thing about the season was they never got better mm. they progressively got worse and worse and worse and and um you know they they really need to thank Sam Howell and UNC for giving them that win because they did not earn it. They did not deserve it. They did not put themselves in a position to be there for the most part. UNC just kind of came out and went to bed. Now, how do you think Travis did for the start as quarterback leading when he had the opportunity to go in? Because Blackman got hurt, right? Then Travis took over. They still were trying to figure out who they had at the helm. And I'm just still trying to figure out who's going to lead them come fall. I'm thinking it's going to be Mackenzie Milton. But convince me why. Maybe I should give Travis another shot. You know, as the church folks would say, bless his heart. Bless his heart. (laughs) He did his best. He did his best. And the thing about the situation that many people aren't paying attention to, this was a roster that was built by um, a Jimbo Fisher that's heading out the door and by a Willie Taggart who, let's be honest, I don't think the fan base and the boosters were ever fully behind them. Of course. So when you have that situation, you will not draw the same types of talent that you have historically, and that puts you in a bad situation. Travis did his best, but... Is Travis a, a, a standout that we expect to be playing in the league for 10, 15 years like we thought of Jameis Winston? No, he's not that. He was he's a he's a run-of-the-mill college quarterback. They're like, oh yeah, he'll, he'll have a game or two. Sure, he had 55% completion rate, over a thousand yards, and six touchdowns, with also six interceptions on the year. Definitely not m- numbers that are memorable, but he carried, I, of course, I remember the Carolina game, and he certainly made himself look better, or I don't know if Carolina's defense made him look great during that game. But again, you are right. I think it is going to be a quarterback competition that leans more towards McKenzie Milton. I also think defensively, what does Florida State now have to offer? Because we're so used to seeing some dominant uh, Florida State defenses, and that's just not what we've seen as of late. I don't think people realize how bad this Florida State defense is set up to be next year. Mm. Their defensive line coach, I believe is Coach Hagan, mm. is that he's it, more power to him. He gets guys ready. He gets guys to the pros. He does his job. He gets the most out of his talent. Outside of that defensive line group, I'm concerned. And even inside the defensive line group, I'm concerned with Wilson leaving, with Durden leaving. I'm concerned about them up front, with Fagan leaving, with Asante Samuel Jr. leaving. I'm concerned about them on the back end. There's, there is no level of this defense where I'm like, yeah, they should be good. So there's not really that next man up mentality or they're not going to play a full complete game in terms of having a strong offense, strong defense, and strong special teams. I'll tell you this. They have had – I Tremaine Johnson, to me, could be uh, – I'm sorry, not Tremaine. Jermaine Johnson could be a really good piece on that defense. Mm-hmm. He could make some things happen. He could be a dominant force off the edge. Could be. But that's the only shot their defense has at being decent. If he is absolutely dominant, if he's the freak of nature that everybody believes he is, they'll be all right. 
And reminder for the folks who don't know, Jermaine Johnson is a transfer from Georgia and had five sacks on the season last year and is looking to take his talents to Tallahassee and trying to help this defense as best he can. But key losses, as we mentioned, Asante Samuel Jr., Marvin Wilson are going to definitely hit home for Norvell. Is he on the same sort of watch wrapping up this Florida State talk as Taggart was where it's like, if you don't win in the next two, if you get blown out the way that they did against Miami, are we having a conversation where your seat's a little hot? No. Mm. For reasons that I <laughs> cannot find, I don't know why Norvell is going to get a longer leash. But to me, again, this is, this is what happens when you live off the popcorn society and try to make oxtails with it. This is what happens when you try to throw some raw, uncooked oxtails in the microwave. They thought to themselves, oh, Everything, we're Florida State. Success should be instant. Success should be instant. No. Jimbo put y'all in a horrible position. And then you gave Tiger two seasons to clean it up. And when he did not get the ship right fast enough, you got him out of town. Well, congratulations. Because now you set a bad precedence. Because guess what? Norvell's not going to get this ship right, right away. I used to believe that Mackenzie Milton was an X factor for this team. But looking at this roster top to bottom, Looking at what they have defensively, top to bottom, even if Mackenzie Milton sets the world on fire, they're still only going to win maybe seven games. And that's that's counting on Mackenzie Milton to set the world on fire and Jermaine Johnson to be to play like a top 10 draft pick. No pressure. No pressure at all. Well, you know, that's a really good conversation wrap up today. Florida State might be in the middle of the road when it comes to the ACC. They're certainly not going to be atop of the Atlantic Division because we all know who's sitting there, and we'll talk about that throughout the week. But if you guys are thinking about betting on the ACC this season, I strongly encourage you to download BetOnline. BetOnline.ag, you can go to their website, has tons of sports action. As we know, the MLB, NBA, NHL playoffs are in full swing, and you do not want to miss. Before the next pitch, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their chance to win the championship. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. So we're here today talking about the Atlantic Division and how good and great we have Florida State going to be in the middle of the road, but another... I, I would like to push back on that a little bit. Florida State being in the middle of the road would mean that Norvell has done an amazing job, <laughs> would mean that everything has gone... I'm, I'm serious now. I have... Shout out to my main man, Jamal Simmons, down there. He's a great photographer that, for that team, good friend of mine. I This team being anything above six wins would be nothing short of a modern marvel. Okay, you heard it here first. They're not going to get more than six wins. Man, we're going to have to have a Friday conversation with Tally Drake I think he'll have a different opinion on that one, and I would love to hear it. You know, he might he might hit you in the DMs on that one. I mean, listen, I, I am just – I'm at a point where honesty is the main thing that we want to give our listeners, <laughs> and I don't want to sugarcoat it. Hey. Is there a possibility that Florida State finishes at an 8-9 win? Yeah, they're still Florida State. If their young talent really shows up and the rest of the ACC plays like they did last year for the most part, yeah, they could absolutely get there. The problem is the rest of the ACC is bringing back too much. Well, speaking of people bringing back too much, do you think Louisville, the team we're focusing on today as well, is bringing back something? Because I'm not feeling as good as you're feeling about Florida State being bad. 
I think Louisville might be worse off. I, I'll tell you this. Louisville is such a perplexing team because they were all over the place. And this is the difference between them and Florida State. Florida State throughout the season was always bad, besides that one game against UNC. Mm-hmm. Louisville was all over the place. They had games that were really good, games where they were just looked god-awful. They blew Florida State out the water and then came back with a, a I want to say, a loss to Boston College the next Virginia week. Tech. Virginia Tech. They lost to Virginia Tech the next week. A Virginia Tech team that, I mean, let's be honest, offensively, they Khalil Herbert and Trey Turner look good. They they try to clip Hendon Hooker's wings from under them. Uh, Garrison was a great offensive tackle at, at the time, but it – that Louisville team was all over the place. So so I don't I don't I really don't know. Yeah, Louisville only won four games on the year and it led by Malik Cunningham, who certainly was not a hundred percent healthy and a lot of comparisons for reasons that I do not understand being compared to Lamar Jackson. Oh God, who could ever guess <laughs> why Malik Cunningham would be compared to Lamar Jackson? That's a that's a tough act to follow, first of all, because not only are you not up to Lamar Jackson's level, let's just keep it a band, but also you do not have the same game. I so can I can I be honest for a second? Yeah, let's talk let's, about it. Let's be honest for a second. In all of college football history, I believe there are maybe four career wise, maybe five quarterbacks who are up to Lamar's level. And when I say that, I mean they weren't built by their system. They weren't in a situation where they had just NFL receiver after NFL receiver after NFL receiver around. Expecting Lamar Jackson out of every quarterback who can run from Louisville, congratulations. Y'all are going to be more disappointed than when you heard why Papa John got fired. <laughs> That's just what's going to happen, okay? They started in Louisville, Kentucky. That's oh, why okay. I, had to, I had to let you know that. <laughs> Papa John was actually at the game when, when we played Louisville when I was at NC State. He oh, pulled yeah? up. He pulled up drunk as a skunk, handing out pizzas. I said, you know. You're lying. That, Did you get one? Absolutely. I was in the game, Candace. How was I going? <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, Coach Dorr. Coach Dorr. Time out, man. I got a Papa John's in the stands. I need me a pizza. Hey, you never know. But Malik Cunningham is definitely going to have himself a tall task trying to lead this Louisville team. He got uh, Tutu Atwell, who is no longer with the team. And I just think, ultimately, who's going to be his go-to guy? And then defensively, it's not really as strong as showing as I feel like Louisville has been in recent years. You know, the the defensive backfield for Louisville, they're young, but they have some talent. They have some guys. I don't know what's going on with Louisville's defensive backs as far as how they're picking out all the talent that they are. But, I mean, if you go all the way back to Jair Alexander, they just know how to get guys in there who have the ability to plaster folks in coverage. The defensive backfield is one that I think that will be one of the strengths of the team. Offensively, you're absolutely right. They lost their top two receivers. They lost one of the best running backs in the nation, really. And and what do you do with that going forward? Where does your offense go from there is the question. Because Malik Cunningham is good. Malik ain't no Lamar. And Lamar ain't walking through that door. Lamar ain't walking through that door. Brian Brom ain't walking through that door. None of those guys are walking through that door. So what are you going to do here? Right. And Louisville opens the season against Ole Miss, who has definitely had much success recently. And they are also having to play UCF and then right into Florida State and Wake Forest and them slew of other ACC games. And I think, you know, when you put it up to pen to paper, I'm trying to figure, I'm trying to find the wins. I'm trying to find the wins for Louisville. So here's what I'll say about both Louisville and Florida State. Mm -hmm. They can both have seasons where we look at them and we say, this is why you play the games. 
because okay. both of these teams could come out as surprise. Florida State is Florida State. Even during Florida State's dollars, there are certain teams. You got like your your University of Michigan's, your Florida State's, your Miami's, your uh your your USC's. Even when they're bad, they'll have a lot of talent. They normally just lack a coach that can put together the talent. Both of these teams have coaches that I think are are all right. right. I think they're decent coaches. A decent coach can squeeze out a good amount of wins against a down ACC conference. The only question is, is the ACC conference no longer down? That's I don't think the, the ACC conference is, I think the ACC conference is like, oh, we finally get a full season and we're back to having spring practices and everyone who slept on certain teams, I'm so sorry and I hate it for you. There, You know, there is, I think that this ACC is going to be the deepest that we've seen in some time. I think that there will be more quality teams than we've seen in, in some time. If you reminisce back to, and I, I, I reference this year a lot, but if you look back at uh, the years in which, you know, Jameis and Florida State were just whooping the wheels off folks and it was them and Clemson, 1A and 1B. Well, in those years, even the teams behind them were really good. Frank Beamer never had bad teams. Even his worst years were 7-5, and 8-4. His best year is 11 and 3, uh, 12 and 2 type of type of situations. Um, if you look at the, the the NC State teams from back then, they were not bad, bad. Well, the first year James Winston played, yeah, they were we were awful. But they weren't bad, just god awful. So there's EJ Manuel's years as well. Those were not um times where you were just gonna have one or two good teams at the top and everybody else was chopped liver. Now, that's what we've seen a little bit these past few years. And with that now changing a bit, I think we're going to see a lot of teams that are closer. The gap between Clemson and everybody else is closing a little bit. Of course. And the gap between the best teams and worst teams in the conference as far as number two and everybody else is closed. Because most people say number two is UNC. UNC walks into this season with huge holes. Huge holes. So, I mean, it's it's a, it's a place where – you you never know this year. You I don't would know love to get to work. a place where like you could come on the show and not have to give a little little stray to Carolina. Listen, you I, always, not, Carolina always catches a stray somehow, some way when you come on the show. I'm just saying. I'm just just put it out there for the universe. Well, first of all, um, I I'm not going to curse on the show, but if for those of you who are familiar with the phrase uh, GTHC, Google it. Or if you're not, I'm sorry, if you're not familiar with it, Google it. But more importantly, I mean, they're major players in the conference right now, so they need to be discussed when discussing the conference. And when we look at the conference, I think that if your second best team has a lot of holes, that leaves space and opportunity for the rest of the teams. If they were returning their top two receivers, if they were returning their top two running backs, if they were returning, I mean, they're le- returning their leading sack man in Fox, but that's about it. So I don't, you know, it, there's all I'm saying is for the two teams we're talking about, there's room for them to squeeze out some wins. Okay. Well, there's that. Now, if you think that, listen, all these teams are going to be ready and fit, I can guarantee you it's probably because they got Bill Barr in the locker room. I don't know. It might be, but just as you all know, I'm on this fitness journey since retirement and I've been looking for great treats to stay fit, but keep me nice and toned. That's why I'm leaning on Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. With 18 amazing flavors that are 100% covered in chocolate, Built Bar is even more delicious. If you're a health conscious person like me, you'll enjoy Built Bar because it's low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, and great for the keto diet. 
Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCK15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. So we're finishing up today's show. Of course, we talked Florida State. We talked Louisville. And make sure you download, subscribe to the Locked On ACC podcast because you can hear more of this content about all of our teams. And we'll have previews from all of your favorite teams in the Atlantic Division this week. So make sure you tune in every single day with my various hosts. Tomorrow we'll be talking about Wake Forest with my guy J.J. Jackson from Locked On Blue Devils. But in the show, we always got to do a little fun because I like having fun around here. It should be lighthearted, right? So I asked all the guys to tell me who was their favorite ACC player of all time in regards to football. Kitten. Oh wow, that's that's a really tough question. I mean, there there have been so many that were so good. And well, this is a short show, so don't make it all day long. I mean, listen, a part of me, <laughs> part of me is saying to myself, "Don't be a homer. Don't pick an NC State guy." Uh, and and so I I won't. Uh, I don't know if he, does the team have to have been in the ACC when they were playing or no. You can do whatever you want. Oh okay. Well that's that that just became real easy. Um, Ed Reed. Ed okay. Reed is my my favorite ACC guy of all time. And yes, they were in the Big East back then. But that, mind your business. Mind your business and worry about yourself. <laughs> uh, Ed Reed is just he was a different breed. He could do it all at safety. Uh, he probably wasn't the hitter that Sean Taylor was, but he could cover grass like nobody's business. He loved blocking on special teams. That, to me, was what cemented him as my favorite guy because he just loved laying people out. And to think, yes, nobody knew that Ed Reed was going to be a Hall of Famer, but he was highly taught out of high school. And to think that he just loved knocking guys' heads off on special teams, opening up lanes for, for the other guys, is really what cemented it. He's a, he was a safety that could do it all. And even in retirement, he's just been so cool. He's just so wonderful. If he he's one guy that if you know uh, you ever seen a video of that old the old guy uh, with a full gray hair, gray head of hair that's on a plane. He's like, I want to shake your hand. Let me shake your hand. Ed Reed would be that guy for me. Let me shake your hand. Let let's go get a drink together. Let's go get let's go get some henny on me. Let's go get whatever you want to drink. <laughs> and I know that you a multimillionaire, but it's on me. He seems more of a cigar guy. You know, I'm I'm not a cigar guy, so we, if, if Ed Reed said, "Listen, let's go smoke a cigar," you wouldn't do it. If Ed Reed said, "Let's smoke a cigar," and I'd be sitting up there, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm I'm a smoke with him because this is Ed Reed. So I'm a, I'm a, let me tell you, when I was growing up, I I wanted so badly to play for the University of Michigan, but I thought to myself, if I can't get to Michigan, the only other team in the country that I want to play for is Miami, and that he Ed Reed was a large part of the reason why. Well, I mean, there you have it. Ed Reed, definitely. I was more of the Ravens years when I hooked on to Ed Reed and Ray Lewis and company. So I definitely agree with him being a quality player. But I certainly respect the pick. And I will be asking the guys the rest of the week. So you got to tune in and make sure you hear which ones that they have. I'll give mine on Friday because I feel like if I tell you guys every single day, that'll get real late real quick. But just to give you a tease, obviously, he went to Carolina. Oh, um, if we talk about my favorite NC State guy, Mario Williams. <clears throat> Mario, he was a freak of nature. He was a great player. Yeah? Yep. Okay. We didn't have to be. I just, I, I just had to throw it out there. Okay. Just had to, you know, go back. Go back. <laughs> well, I hope you guys had a great time listening today. Make sure, again, you hit us up on Twitter at LockedOnACC. Ken, where can they find you or follow more of your work? At LO underscore Wolfpack on Twitter. Um, you know, we're we're here every Monday because of you all. We thank you all for showing up. 
Uh, you can also follow me at TGIF underscore Ken. That's my personal page. So there will be more than just sports on there. And I'm, I'm, I'm a human being before I ever picked up the ball. So let's, let's let that be known. Um, and Facts Over Acts as well is another uh, national podcast I run with two uh, very good friends of mine. So those, all of those are places where you can find my work. And uh, we'll, we'll, as long as you all keep listening, like, subscribe, and share, we'll keep coming on and doing this thing every Monday. No doubt. Well, if you want more sporting news on all of major sports, make sure you guys hit up Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski hosts host the show every single day. Follow Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. For Candace Cooper and Kenton Gibbs, we hope you guys have a great Monday. And until next time. You are Locked On ACC, your daily podcast on the Atlantic Coast Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you.